Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 37 of Rise Up, the podcast. I'm here with your host, Greg Grenley. We'll be joined by your all-favorite Scotty Rogers later on in the episode. We have a great special guest, uh, Lars Keel. You may know him as the Sidewall Jedi. We have a lot to recap. We, we took a week off. I was on a little bit of vacation. Um, but, Greg, before we get into you know this action-packed episode, tell me what you've been up to, man. Just grinding, man. The summers for me are all about our face-off academy athletes, getting them dialed in recruiting-wise. 2025 class, September 1's coming up soon. So talking dads off cliffs, listening to <laughs> 16,000 kids tell me they all want to go to the same four schools. You know how it goes. But, uh, you know, other than that, just grinding hard. We have our uh, overnight camp coming up this week. So we're going to be at Navy, sold out Monday through Wednesday, and then I'm going to drive uh, from Annapolis to Baltimore just to hang out for the PLL games. Um, so I'm excited for it, man. It was a good all-star break. How about you? That's awesome. I've been in Montauk for the past 10 days. I, I took a work, week off of work. A couple of my buddies did the same. Uh, they got a house for the month. I jumped in for a week and had a blast. It was, it was a really good time, but now – I'm back to reality, back in New York City, Going went to the office today, been grinding. Uh, Sunday, I'm out in St. Louis working a camp for uh, Fuse Lacrosse, and we're, we're scouting some players for the Unreal National team. Um, I mentioned before, I help out with that program. So I'm running a little you know, camp, coach these guys up, and then hopefully there's some good players there that get some invites to the Unreal National team. So that'll be fun. Yeah, Love there's going some ballers in-, in St. Louis, man. Yeah, I'm excited to go out there. Work out there. There's some ballers in Missouri, man. We're going out to that. Uh, it's at the St. Louis Rams old facility, so that'll be cool yeah. too. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. That's what I got cooking in front of me. But uh, let's get into the All Star game. And I think before we talk about the games itself, you know, you've been a part of All Star games in the PLL and the MLL. Maybe tell our listeners a little bit of you know maybe your first All Star game experience in the MLL, and then how much of you know, a different world that is now today. We saw how packed it was in Louisville in your experience in the PO All-Star game a few years ago. Yeah, my first my first ML All-Star game is funny. I didn't get – they only used to take two face-off guys in the MLL. It was whoever the, the top two face-off guys were percentage-wise. And for whatever reason, the first year, I guess because I was kind of a no-name, they, they called me. I remember uh, Gross calling me and being like, yeah, we're actually going to go with somebody else. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Um, and then I got first team all pro that year, but I wasn't in the all-star game. Um, but I, I went on like a string of all-star games in the MLL. And, you know, the one thing was there was always a lot of pageantry around it. It was really cool. Cause it was all about the fans, all of it. It, it almost felt like all-star weekend was just a thank you to lacrosse fans, which I loved, uh, super crazy access to us. Uh, we did a whole bunch of appearances. I remember one year they asked us to go to like Moe's and make uh, tacos and stuff. Like, they taught us how to do the guac and everything. It was kind of weird, but it was fun. Um, But looking at what the PLL has done now, you know, you can tell they're doing things that other pro leagues do. They're bringing celebrities in that are nearby. Um, They're they're using, uh, you know, Paul's using his connections uh, with different business ventures to bring in athletes, to have them on the sidelines and um, bring some notoriety to it. And they went to, and this is what people have to pay attention to, when they start talking about teams getting their franchises, they went to a non-traditional hotbed, about as non-traditional as it gets. They went to a place they've never been before, pro lacrosse has never been before, and they packed it because it's starting to catch on. And, and I, I credit a lot of it to Mike and Paul, but also to ESPN and that deal. 
So I feel like ESPN has done a great job of exposing lacrosse. And, um, man, that place was packed. It was really cool. I love the, the competitions are always fun. Um, and it shows, like, I remember in 2019 when I was there, I was injured, and I still tried to play in the All-Star game because it's just you never know when it's going to be your last one. It's kind of like going to a championship, right? Like, you don't want to not play regardless of the fact that you're hurt because you never know if you're going to get back there. Uh, so, yeah, it's really cool seeing the stars out there. I think, you know, the accuracy challenge blows people's minds at how incredibly skilled these guys are. Um, the freestyle competition is always just fun. It's just an absolute gong show. Um, then the goalie skills challenge is great because, you know, you have the best goalies in the world going after it. And then the fastest shot is, you know, it's like our dunk contest. So it's just great to see, you know, Newman continue to put up numbers and some of the bombers out there. Yeah, I, let's let's talk about each of those events. I think let's start with the freestyle because, like you said, it's a gong show. I think it's funny. And to your point at the beginning of the conversation, it's for the fans. And the, the fans that come out for these events are normally for it's kids, right? It's not, you know, people our age. Um, so – and I, the kids love it, and I think that's the point of it. I, I you know, I had some people text me like, you know, um, Sisselberger and his singlet, or they people throwing Xander Dixon into the net. Like, what the hell is going on? But like the people that are there, they're cracking up. They think it's funny. It's it's the same shit as when Dwight Howard came out in a Superman outfit for the dunk contest. That's literally what I said. I had a, a group chat with some of my. Some, I'm not going to name who, but I had a group chat with some guys I used to play with. And they're like, yo, what is this? This is so stupid. I'm like, what do you mean it's stupid? I'm like, literally watch the dunk contest. I'm like, pulling a car out in front of a thing, trying to jump over the hood, going into a booth and getting the... Look, at some point, things, you run out of ideas. I love the originality. Yo, remember last year when Farrell chugged milk in a Thor costume? Dude, there's only so many ways you can score a goal. So this is what you're going to get. Right. And, the, you know, I, I'm confused by some people because, you know, Ryder Garnsey riding in on TD like he's a jockey is fine. Sisselberger, who's an actual wrestler, wrestling was not. So I'm just I, I'm always, you know, me. I, I don't understand the it's not cool to, to be fun yeah, and have a good time it's, crowd. So it's like a fun. It's if it's cool to laugh at or laugh with. Don't laugh yeah. at it. Right. It's it if it's for the fans. It's for, you know to get those kind of ha-has, but I think just when I think of the freestyle competition, my mind just goes immediately to, like, when Mikey Powell did the front flip. And I yeah. think that's when it was literally, like, no props. Like, let's see who can, like, fake out the goal. And he was doing the, that. So that was super cool, I thought. And now it's, like you said, it's becoming like the NBA, and that's fine. That's yeah, totally like fine. Yeah, like the dunk contest now, it used to be like, oh, my God, did he just jump from the free throw line? Mm-hmm. Now now 15-year-olds are jumping from the free throw line and putting it through <laughs> their legs. So we've aged out, man. Unless they make the basket in the in dunk contest 15 feet, no one cares. So it's the I, same thing here. It's like, dude, why not just sit back and just laugh and have a good time? And, uh, you know, that's what I appreciate about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think that there should be, like, their goalie war. I, th- I don't think the goalie skills thing. I think it should be goalie wars. Like two goalies up twenty yards from each other, and then see who scores first. That's my. That's what I would watch. What do you, What do you think about Newman hitting one hundred and twenty one miles per hour? That has to be the new world record. I. I mean, he keeps breaking his own records. I. I don't think I've ever. One hundred and twenty is insane. That's. I mean, who the hell wants to be in front of that? Uh, but like, 
it's just indicative of all sports. You know, athletes are becoming bigger, faster, stronger every year, training different. Technology is getting better. Yeah, and the technology of the sticks is producing more force, more torque. So, I mean, sky's the limit, really. Yeah. What do you do? You think it's going to continue to keep going up, or is there like, is there yes. a, is there a sound barrier that it can't break? No, it's going to keep going up. It's going to keep going up. Uh, like we're going to continue to mess with the balls, make them grippier, make them whatever. You're going to get better sticks, better material. You know, like like for instance, East Coast dies. East Coast dies has the patent on a material called graphene. It's ten times stronger than plastic, but it shapes and molds exactly like plastic. You know, we're going to keep coming up with stuff at least till yeah. the world burns out. <laughs> and then Wisnowski has dethroned Holman for accuracy competition. I yeah. feel like that's been Holman's title for the last however many years. He's a shoo-in on that that uh, event. But Wisnowski, the young gun, came in. Um, and dethroned him, and I mean, there's no really surprise. I mean, Wisnowskis has been painting corners for the last five years. If you've been following yeah. the sport of the well, at some point, young guys got to come up. I think that was the cool idea behind this skills challenge. I would have loved to see Trevor play, um, who was hurt. And it's actually crazy when they showed the injury report for the All Star game. It was literally like everyone's hurt, so we have a second batch of All Stars. <laughs> uh, it was kind of crazy, but. Yeah, it's just fun. Like, Farrell and, and TD doing a, a rock, paper, scissors for the first face-off. And I was putting on Twitter, I was like, this is just indicative of how long Matty Palin's been facing, been uh, officiating. Because he just sat there deadpan and was like, possession, this way. Like, didn't, <laughs> didn't laugh, nothing. He was like, just another day in the office. What did you think about how they did it this year with the young guys versus the vets? First, the first thing that came to my mind was, Wow, some of these players are vets. I'm old because <laughs> it's like, holy shit. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I'm like, Connor Farrell is a vet. Uh, it just shows how old I was when I was playing against him his rookie year. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, look, but it's actually fascinating because I know somebody was like, well, you have, remember we're talking about like 25 year old rookies coming into the league this year. There's some guys on the Young Guns group that are older than the whatever they called it the the vets vets yeah um, but it's cool because just a year ago these rosters would have looked very different and with guys in my generation retiring and aging out you're seeing this whole new crop of guys come in the league is getting a huge injection of youth and you know they're doing a good job as usual media wise because you have to pounce on this stuff. It's just like the NBA when Magic Johnson was coming into the league and it's like we have him versus Bird and we got to milk that. Jordan came in the league. you got to do the same thing with lacrosse. You have, when young guns come in and they're charismatic, they're good in front of the camera, you got to get the guys who can speak and be in front of the camera and like get people to tune in. you got to foster that. So it's just great that there's this many young, young guys in the league that can do that. Yeah, it's a great point. And then to just round it out, I've, I've the play of the all-star game it's it's fun to see pl people play more loose and you know be able to dip into their creativity a little bit more without you know repercussions um which is great to see and i feel like at times you know it's almost a nightmare for the goalies because you, you have newman coming over the midfield line every possession trying to jack up 121 mile per hour shots but it, it's it's fun to see them play more free and, and I thought they did a good job of not letting the game get away from them in terms of, like, we, we talked about some NBA, like a NBA All-Star game comparison. Some NBA All-Star games, it's like, you know, people just cherry-picking, just back. Dude, I don't even watch, I don't watch yeah. any other All-Star games. This is actually, 
this was played with regular rules. Yep. Uh, it was fun to watch. They didn't actually they didn't mess with too many rule changes or anything this year. They just let it be, which was great. Um, so I thought it, I thought it was cool and it's competitive. Uh, I am bummed that DraftKings didn't let me bet an OU on this though. <laughs> It's all about easy money. You always bet the over on all star games. Oh yeah, oh yeah. The limit doesn't exist on those, especially when the when the two bombs are flying left and right. Farrell dropped a two bomb. That was cool to see. And yes. I think uh, what's his name, uh, Brett Makar, shot one from I think twenty five yards, and it went. Yeah, yeah. They were interviewing Trev as it happened. He was like, "Whoa!" Yeah, he didn't <laughs> had no idea he had that kind of range. Well, any last thoughts on the on the all star game? Uh, before we move on to a little bit of a preview, a recap of the first half of the season and the preview of the next half of the season and some games coming up next week? Not really. I think, you know, I like the All-Star game. I love that they tweaked the format here and there. We talked about it before. This was the first time in, what, since 2002 that there wasn't an All-Star game, the year of the World Games, where it was Team USA versus ML All-Stars. Um, so, you know, it was cool to see some kind of mix-up in format. Yeah, I thought that was great too. And you mentioned they didn't mess with the rules as much. I know that they like tried like hockey faceoffs before, which is like fun, but you know, it was they kept it true to the sense of the sport, which was great to see. And like I said, it was a competitive game for the most part. Players got to display their skills, um, and you just really got to see how talented all these all stars really are. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, they're never gonna mess with that puck drop face off again because Matty Palin almost died. like you drop the ball and you just see like this stick fly past his face each time he's like what are we doing i'm not doing this i didn't sign up for this so let's let's transition to a little bit of a recap of the first half of the season a little bit of preview to the next half and and we'll get into some games of next week as well um the first half of the season the archers ended on top of the standings uh tied with the water dogs both four and one cannons you know biggest turnaround team so far three and two and then some unusual suspects down at the bottom um, with the Whipsnakes 1-4, and four, Atlas 1-4, and four, and Chrome 1-4. and four. Do you have a storyline for the first half of the season or maybe, um, you know, some half-season awards where, you know, some teams, you know, jumped out that you didn't expect or some teams that maybe you think are going to falter or teams that are going to, you know, do better in the second half? I think if you're not Trevor Baptiste or Mike Sisselberger as a face-off guy, you're your career is in jeopardy. Uh, I think it's scary. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But I think, remember we talked about our predictions for Rookie of the Year. And I said if Mike Sisselberger got drafted by the Archers and they put up points, and right now he's, he's been the guy. And I think uh, you have to consider that, especially this week when they play against the prevent. If he exposes the prevent and he breaks through that, that game plan, you're going to – I you're going to have a tough time explaining to me if he can keep playing like this, especially if he goes against Trevor and goes relatively toe to toe, you're going to have a real tough time explaining to me how he's not rookie of the year. No, um, that's a good point. Now it, it is crazy when you look at the bottom of this league. Cause that was like, that was like the sixes tournament right there. And all those teams aren't going to be in it. Um, kind of wild. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that it's one of those things where I think the biggest storyline is teams trying to figure out the 32-second clock. I think teams that would have came into the league with a huge advantage, um, you know, would have you would have thought would have done a great job. The Atlas and the Chrome, uh, even, you know, 
Petey being a rookie, but I still think, you know, Petey's a very good face-off guy. And then the Water Dogs having Jake Withers. You just would have thought that it would have been, you know, things would have gone well. But I think that's the biggest storyline of the first half of this year is teams trying to figure that out. You're absolutely right. And we, we've hammered it a bunch, but I think that's so true. I think, you know, I know you're a gambling man. I like to dabble as well. Why, why wouldn't you at this point of the season – sprinkle some futures on the atlas and the whip snakes you know atlas have trevor and and they have an offense around that they're gonna get hot they're gonna score their goals if they can figure out how to stop the ball i know um con cannon hasn't had his best first half of the season i'm sure he's gonna figure it out he's an all-world type of goalie and then the whip snakes they just haven't been healthy and if they get healthy down the stretch um we, we talk about it all the time all you need to do is get in the playoffs just don't Dude, come in just have to not be the last place team that's exactly it. Exactly. And, you know, if the Whip Snakes get two pieces back, they can win three or four games in the last five and definitely get in there, and they can totally chaos this thing. Um, the Atlas worry me just because the defense has been abysmal. Yeah. And, you know, look, we're, 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 we're coming to a, a moment here. So let's talk about this. So th- there's four games going on. At least three of these games this weekend, from what I've been told, are going to be prevent face-off formation versus a face-off guy. So you just had Connor Farrell, who's an all-star, third in the league in face-off, or second, I'm sorry, in the league in face-off percentage, is now going to be benched, and the Chrome are going to play prevent against Trevor. So now you're down an all-star, charismatic guy, guy we talked about, you want to build around. If, if the Chrome beat the Atlas using this, and they get their second win... The next week, you're going to see the Atlas bench the reigning MVP. And now you're going to have games like the, the Cannons are going to play the Water Dogs. And what are they going to do? Two, two poles are going to go out there and then try to go early so that they don't have to win a faceoff? Like, that's going to be a nightmare for the league to deal with. Um, so we're going to have four games, most likely, unless the Chaos shock me and put a faceoff guy out there. And we're going to see. And if all of a sudden the prevent can't be beat, I have no idea where this thing's going to go. Um, so that's, you know, that's just something like I don't think the Chrome are going to be able to turn it around. I don't think the Atlas are going to be able to turn it around because of their defense. That's their defense just scares me. The Chrome have issues scoring and the Atlas have issues. The biggest thing for the Chrome, man, is they're they're averaging somewhere between 10 to 15 turnovers off the face off a game right now. Yeah. So that's wild. Um, and I mean, and just, the look at, just keep, keep doing their just thing. Look- just looking at the stats, I mean, the Whip Snakes are one and four with a goal differential of one. Yes. The Atlas yes. have led up the most goals in the league, 77. And the Chrome have scored the least amount of goals in the league, 45. So you hit the nail right on the head. The Chrome have problems finding the back of the net. The Atlas have problems stopping the ball. And then the Whip Snakes are there. They just need a you know, couple bounces. It's almost like kind of like the – I don't want to compare them to the Cannons of last year, but they've, they've been in every game – they just need to get healthy, and the whips are just going to be the whips. I'm not ready to put them to bed yet. No, no way. I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, if you're not the archers or water dogs, I feel the best out of all the rest of the teams, I feel the best about the whip snakes if you're talking futures. Mm-hmm. I think the Redwoods have an issue with the midfield. They can't figure out how with, you know, with this uh, John Grant's offense. I love that they're attack heavy because that's where their strengths are, but their midfield isn't doing anything for them. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw some kind of trade happen in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I would love that. that. Yeah, I, would I think love the Redwoods have to mix it up. Have to move. 
I think the Redwoods have to move either Perk or Miles. And I think that they need to get someone like a Costabile or somebody who's a little bit different style of offense who's also struggling. Like, if, I, if I'm, I'm looking over at the Atlas, I'm like, hey, you know, you guys are struggling too. Let's see if we can do something that helps us both. Um, the only point think, on that, yeah. though, is like why I think a lot of teams are content with holding on to assets even if they're not using them just to not make other teams better. Well, so, and here's the, here's the problem with that is if you don't dress a guy for three games – He's available. I, you can I know put him on reserve as long as you want. You can, but you have a certain amount of reserve spots. Correct, yeah. Um, so that's my next point was, do you think a team like the Redwoods can find help from the player pool? I don't know, man. I, I think I think something's got to give at the midfield. Um, you know, from a face-off standpoint, they haven't really played against the prevent yet. Um, I don't know if TD is equipped to beat it. Uh, he's a, he's on 99.9% a knee down guy. So, you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. I would love for the Redwoods to write that ship. I love those guys, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't think this is a locker room plot problem. I just think this is a personnel issue where somebody's got to move and you got to get a, a fresh look at this thing. Um, because you can't keep asking Ryder Garnsey to go on ESPN's you know, sports that are top 10 plays every week. Um, and you can't keep asking Rob Pinnell to get six points, even though he probably will. That's not enough to win games, though. Um, so, well, yeah. with that being said, let's go right over to our games next week down at the Star in Frisco. Very cool facility. I know that they've been there for the past couple of years. The Rattlers used to play there back in the MOL days. It's a really cool, smaller stadium, but still has kind of the big stadium feel because it's, you know, the Cowboys. Um, yeah. In the first game, we got Atlas versus Chrome. You know, both teams desperately need to win one and four versus one and four. I mean, I, I know who I think is going to win, but talk to me a little bit about this game. So the lines just came out today. Um, and when you look at the statistics, you have the league's worst offense going against the league's worst defense. Um, now, when I look at this right off the bat, you'd say, okay, well, but Trevor's going to win most of the – he's going to win all the faceoffs because they're not going to go with – they're not going to go with Connor. So the question then is, does that make any difference? Well, you know, if you look at the, the spread right now, the Chrome are plus one and a half. So you have a team that already, and, and I did the math on this, right? We talked about it before. Say you have 28 face-offs in a game, and you decide you're going to concede all of them and give them to the Atlas. That means that the Atlas then get about 32 seconds on 28 face-offs. That's about 15 minutes worth of shitty offense. And that's what we're seeing. About 15, almost more than a quarter's worth of lacrosse is just shitty try-to-get-the-ball-in-the-net offense, right? Mm -hmm. So this is going to be a immovable object meets <laughs> uh, an unstoppable force where it's like, okay, will the Atlas benefit from all those possessions because that's almost 15 minutes that the Chrome don't have the ball? Or will all 15 minutes of that be shitty and then, and then the Chrome can't keep up? Yeah. I'm going to lean on the side of the Chrome have a serious offensive deficiency issue. They don't have an identity. The Atlas are going to get possession enough times. And I also think that Trevor knows how to beat this prevent by standing up. And I think they're going to be able to score some goals off transition on this if he's allowed to do what he wants with the, with the wings. So I'm going to go with the edge with the Atlas, but I'm not confident in betting one and a half on it. Yeah. 
I, I like Atlas money line. I'd even take them one and a half. I, I said last week, I think, uh, Atlas minus one and a half was my lock of the week, and I think they lost by five. So <laughs> I, I'm going to stick to my guns, though. I think the Atlas have too much firepower on offense. Um, Trevor's too important of a guy at the faceoff X. Like you said, you did the math. I think they're going to have to be able to get somewhat good possessions off those. Dude, I don't want to put pressure on him and Sis this weekend, but yeah. if they don't get it done, we might not see a faceoff guy the rest of the year. <laughs> which would be a shame, which would be an absolute shame. Yes, yes, and But, terrible. you know, coaches are playing to what the rules are, and if it's successful, we talked about this all the way at the back at the beginning of the year, you know, there's got to be ways to game this new rule. Yeah. And this is what they've they've come to at this point in time. Until someone can beat it, they're going to keep doing it. Absolutely. Next game of the weekend, Saturday night, down in Frisco. Cannons 3-2 and two versus Redwoods 3-2. and two. I'm going with the Redwoods right off the bat. I think the Cannons have found something. I, I just think that this Redwoods core defense is still just a little bit too much for this Cannons offense. There's still... Finding their roles a little bit. I think they've settled in, and they, they are very much so complimentary. But I think the Redwoods' defense is going to win this game, not the offense. Yeah, I mean, that's a great argument. I will also say the Cannons have only given up four more goals than the Redwoods all season so far. So, mm-hmm. And they've scored 21 more goals. Um, now, they're going to go prevent, and... It's TD's turn to, to, to show whether or not he can beat it. Um, I think if you're giving this offense enough tries that they'll be able to do their thing. But I also think that the Cannons – here's what's crazy. They're both 3-2, and two, right? But I feel like the Cannons are definitively trending up as a team. I think they believe in what Holman is doing. And I think that um, they just seem like they really like each other. Like their locker room is very, very tight. Um, so, you know, it's tough to go with the Redwoods in that situation just from a money line standpoint. I don't know if the Cannons will beat them by two, though. And I think, I think taking the Redwoods at plus one and a half is a pretty good bet because I feel like they can hang in there. Um, they're going to win the possessions. I don't know if they're going to turn into goals or not, but they're going to get their chances on offense. And, um, I think, like you said, the defense will be able to drop in and, and hopefully they can... You know, on their on their side of the ball, they can try to do something to defend that. But, dude, seventy-one goals so far—that's not a joke. You're absolutely right. Next matchup is the marquee matchup of the weekend on ABC on three p.m. on Sunday. Water Dogs versus Archers battle for first place. This is—I mean, if you're going to watch any game this weekend, it's got to got to be this one. I love the way the Archers are playing. I, I spoke about it uh, a couple episodes ago. They're definitely, uh, I think, the shoe-in right now for the championship. They are playing you know, so well. Um, they're clicking on offense. Their defense is coming together. They're getting good goal-tending. Everything full, full uh, well-oiled machine, and your boy Sis is uh, helping them get the ball at the face-off dot. This could be very well be a, a preview of the championship. I, yeah, it very well could be. And I think that Sisselberger is, if I look up and down this raw, like uh, the roster of the faceoff guys in the league, I actually think Sis is the most equipped to go against the prevent. Uh, one, he's fast. He's deceptively fast for a big guy. He, he's making great decisions with the ball. He's not turning it over. And he actually is the greatest single-season college faceoff man in history, and he did it with the new rules of stand-up. 
So he doesn't have to go on a knee like most of these other guys do. If he can get the wings in a good spot and he can get forward on the pole a couple times, if he shows he can run past Goldbrick, you're going to see them go completely prevent. And then all he has to do with two offensive middies is pop it through his legs and the third midi can be on the, in the arc. So their whole team's on there and they'll get like 30 seconds of full offense, which would be massive. Mm -hmm. um, I think he has the skill set to do that. So, and, and this Archers team, I mean, set, their, their defense has been fantastic this year. So, you know, well, it'll, be, it'll be a really good game. I, now, the Archers, the Archers are favored at one and a half. I was talking to Dan Alexander. We'll get, his, we'll get the PLL bet segment later in on the show. Neither one of us really loved the lines when they came out because there's, there's a lot of questions. Um, mm -hmm. So what do you think? Do you, think you, do you take the Archers at, one and a, at minus one and a half? I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, mess with the goal line on this game. I would stick with betting. You know, whoever you like better money line. I think that it's got one goal game written all over it. I think both teams. Water Dogs have been playing lights out. You know, they, we we talked about. You know, they maybe had a little championship hangover at the beginning of the season. They weren't scoring as many goals. They've totally snapped out of it. Um, they're staying healthy. They all look great. Um, so I'm I'm excited to watch this game. I'm excited to just be a fan. I probably won't even bet it. But if I were to bet it, I would bet Archer's money line. Yeah, I, I would probably go Archer's money line and the over. It's at 23 and a half. I like that. I like yeah. that. Well, okay. let's move right along before our guest comes on to the last game of the weekend, Whipsnakes Chaos. Whipsnakes, we talked about sitting at one and four. Chaos, three and two. Chaos, you know, they've won more games this season already at this point of the year than they have, you know, from probably the whole, you know, existence of the pol the whip snakes desperately needed i don't know how healthy the whip snakes are they have a bunch of guys banged up coming off worlds they have you know we haven't even seen brad smith yet this year yeah. i don't know who they're rolling out there that's yeah. the only thing that concerns me brad smith is such a massive piece air Hart didn't play last week either i don't know if he's coming back this week or not if he's also not coming back um i don't know how they're favored um but, uh, you know, chaos plus one and a half is an easy bet for me on this one. Because I think this will be a one-goal game regardless. I totally agree. Well, with that being said, make sure you tune into the games this weekend. Make sure you tune in to Rise Up next week when we break down. You can see where Greg and I nailed these and uh, where we went wrong. And we'll, we'll give you our take on what we saw in each of these games. And without further ado, we'd love to turn it over to a very special interview with the Sidewall Jedi, Lars Keel. Hello, everybody. A very special welcome to our guest, Lars Keel. You may know him as the Sidewall Jedi. He's stringing up a stick as we speak. We get to see the magic behind the scenes for all you guys having the unfair advantage, picking corners. Lars, great to have you on. Uh, we go back a, a, a little ways, so it's glad to see you here, chopping it up with Greg and uh, Scotty. But uh, introduce yourself a little bit. Uh, tell us about yourself, and then let's see where it goes from there. Thanks, Danny. Uh, thanks, boys. I appreciate this. It's, uh, I've been looking forward to this for a while. I'm sorry that we couldn't make it work uh, last week. Um, yeah, I, like I, I've known all three of you uh, through MLL days and, and early, uh, or not the earliest of the, some of the PLL days, and just I, I don't know. I feel weird talking about myself. I, I string sticks. I'm that guy. Uh, you're, you're a goddamn legend at string yeah, sticks. Yeah, Lars is a goddamn legend, okay? And he, nobody does a better job of stringing sticks. doesn't matter what position. 
if you have, you, you can always tell a face-off stick that was strung by Lars because it's never illegal. It's like <laughs> phenomenal. So, um, so it's selfishly, uh, Greg, and you, I'm sure you can speak a lot more to this from the technical aspect of it. Like, I'm not upset that the part of me is upset that the coaches that don't know how to recruit or coach the face-off position decided to change the rules over and over and over and over and over again. But I still get bummed that this that, that style of stringing the, to the outside that I created is with SNG. It's kind of it's not negated, but it doesn't. Uh, it, it's not as helpful as it was a few years ago when you would just grind and do circles and. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's because your your stick stringing style, which honestly is probably needed now more than ever, uh, kept heads from getting illegal, because the heads would get so mangled that. And, and if kids had the normal sidewall pattern that was kind of on the inside of the sidewall, the ball would yep. get stuck. But yours is on the outside, so it gave, like, the full possible pocket. Yep. Um, and they need you now, man, because every single kid out there is using a 2F, and 99% of them are illegal. So they're going to well, need the best. Lars, we needed you back in the Wild West days at MLL when, like, uh, Anthony, oh, Kelly, Anthony Kelly was getting three-minute unreleasables for the <laughs> ball getting stuck. Uh, yeah, uh, that, that was, yes, the, like that, the, the, what was the, all the stuff going on before, uh, face-off heads, like specific face-off heads, I mean, the blade is the blade, the blade is, is yeah. the OG, and we know that, but they made it for a couple years, and then they stopped, but then the there was material this, material now is just totally different, the what, the material now, yeah. well, the material is different, uh, but just thinking back to, like, in 2016, the year uh, I was at Brown, you know, Will Garall was incredible. Trevor, you know, he was he was number two behind Trevor in the country that year. The dual one was the first. It was the yeah. first like really serious quality faceoff head. But even the, the couple of years before that, like Craig, I'm sure you remember seeing so many guys were using the superpower to face off with uh, the Evo Pro X6. Dude, the re- the Reebok 6K. The People were using the Gate Torque. To face off with, yeah, yo, that's what legacy. Lars, that's what that's what Timmy Fallon used. The Nike Legacy, yeah, and the Nike the, Legacy uh, was like the random, like me, like mid-level head that just that found like oh, new phenomenal. Space. And you know what, Jeff Snyder, Jeff Snyder he was he owned yeah. seven hundred Proton yeah. or not Proton, the Warrior uh, Prodigy, the Warrior Prodigy. He yeah. would get them, he'd bake them, and they would be this wide. Oh, I played with I played with Jeff, man. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and he bought so many of them that it was like impossible to find them. Lars, no. what's, Lars, what's like? Uh, I was very interested. Uh, what's your theory on these new goalie heads, man? Like, cause I like I just saw the Eclipse three today uh, that Burnlor had sent in. They're just changing, dude. I don't. I don't have one with me right now. I've got a couple of them in my car. Mm-hmm. Um, I. The story with that is like the plastic. I, I, I'm sure. No, I'm absolutely positive that STX is doing some funky things with experimental materials, but I don't, they're not there yet with what is on the, on the field right now. The Eclipse 3 is interesting because you, you know, Scotty, from like the Eclipse 2, there's so many head, like they, they fold a, back too much. It's a little narrow too, yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's, I, 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 I think it's probably the most uh, popular goalie head right now, but like yeah. the problem is it just turns into a noodle and it folds back when it gets really hot. And so yeah. the thing about the Eclipse 3 is the scoop up here is kind of curled forward all the way around for this. So it's more of, you know, geometry and design to make, you know, the design makes it so that it won't fold back as much. 
but you I have no it. idea how much R&D goes into this stuff. Oh, I know. Oh, it's years. Like, it's we're years. working on a head right now, and kids are asking me about it, and I'm like, okay, we have the mold done. They're like, when does it come out? I go, 2024. Next. Yeah, Next. but like, but yo, yeah. I was just, I was using the, the Eclipse, but then I got a DNA, uh, no, what is it? The one from uh, East Coast Dyes, which is wider in the middle. And then obviously I got kids that use the shrinking one, which I think is a shovel, but it's, it's just a different shape, but they stay within the parameters. Yeah. yeah. This is, you know, th- this is the new ECD one. It's great. It's kind of, when it first came out, I was like, it's a Nemi clips, but it's yeah. not offset at all. That's what it's I used, yeah, a Nemi, yeah. Nemi Straight up and down. Wow. That's funny. So, so, lo- so Lars, give us, because we originally when we talked about having you on, you wanted to talk about skill versus drip, and I would love to get into that conversation with you. This uh, is my, like, yeah. it's not the bane of my existence, but I love talking about it. And, like, uh, what's what's the Drip King's real names? Because I don't want to just say Caleb, Caleb Hammett. Caleb, 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 like, I have, you know, my literal hat is off to this kid. It, he's infuriating to me, but <laughs> my hat is off to him because, like, you, you know, I'm, I'm absolutely envious of some of the things that he's done on social media right now. As far as like he's three hundred thousand followers, it's like he's probably one of the most followed lacrosse personalities right now. Um, it's but like it's the whole thing of just like drip doesn't pay the bills. Like for well, him, he's paying his bills. Like he's paying his bills. Yes, but <laughs> like. It's, well, let's look at it like on a sliding scale, Lars. For. You have to be, first off, I give Caleb a ton of credit because he put himself out there. And you always know, like Tyler Sandoval is another one. You know when you go on social media, anytime you put yourself out there, everybody hates on it, right? So good for him, you know, for dealing with that. But there has to be a sliding scale. Do you remember, for instance, let's talk about different drip situations. Okay. Casey Powell rocked the visor. Oh, and Mikey too. Yes. Now, if... Anybody else rocked the visor, they would have gotten made fun of immediately. I actually tried to. Couldn't see yeah, the ball. But, couldn't, couldn't but see the ball. it's because it's Casey Powell, the GOAT, showing up and dropping six points on you at the age of, like, 38. Yeah. You're like, yeah, you can, you can absolutely rock that. Yep. But if you are the 16th attackman on a high school team and you're rocking the visor, you're going to get crucified on the field by everybody who runs past you. Rightfully so. Yeah, and I think that's just the fact, you know, when you, there has to be something to back it up, right? You show up with something, because, like, Scotty, give me something that, like, like, I actually hate the term drip, but we'll use it for this show. Like, give me a something that was, like, stylistically important to you when you were playing. I used to wear, like, a wristband on my forearm. Yeah. Uh, okay, that was, that was it, probably right. And you wore and you wore eye black. Like for me, I always liked factory white pads. I always had my my cleats spatted, and I always had double white knee pads because white makes me feel fast. Yep. And I always wore eye black because it just felt made me feel like a gladiator walking into an arena. Like and, like, yeah. Like so, my thing for me was I always tried to customize that bib. Right, like I got uh, Smitty to chrome it from the Mueller guys. Like I think that I think I still think goalies should be able to do what hockey goalies do. I agree. And, and that's a, that's cool. Helmets. Yeah. 
the kind of show I've actually texted Paul and Mike like, dude, give them the chance to express themselves, right? Because literally that's what the hockey goalies do. Yeah. Well, face-off guys are going to be gone soon from the PLL, so the goalies need to step up if they're going to be individualistic. They're going to have to make 50 saves a game. Yeah. So, you know, Sives, did you have anything? I, I like, would like to think I was tasteful. I liked having dyed heads. Um, I liked wearing – I wore Jordan cleats one year. I would wear Jordan socks sometimes. I liked having the jump man. Um, but other than that, like, small elbow pads um, – that's here's it, here's really. one I can't. Here's one I can't get. I can't. I can't get behind. Them. And I and I know guys who do it. And I'm sorry. The the elbow pads up on your biceps. I know it's supposed to be a tough look, but all it's doing is telling us that your arms are small enough that you can slide your elbow pads up on your biceps. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And it's leaving your elbows wide open. If if I was playing, you're done. You're absolutely hundred percent. I'm cracking you on the elbow, dude. Like, dude, dude, the last guy to do what the drip the drip cake did with the face like the high black was actually Mike Kama. Mike Kama was a, a face-off guy from CW Post who went like 80% in, in uh, college. He played in the pros. He did his whole face. I was like, oh my God, this guy's a psycho. When the hell did he play in the pros? He actually got it. We had a guy hurt for the machine and he got to go like a, like a tryout with us. And he like came in and he didn't have a great day. And that was the last we Wait saw Wait a him. minute. Was that... Did I play you guys in his first game? I remember a rookie coming out and fall starting like five times in a row and then never seeing the field again. Like, absolutely went, mental case. He went 0 for 26, Greg. You actually did a really good job that day. So, uh, <laughs> I had to make a lot of saves that game. Now, see, see, after that game, though, that poor guy, everyone was like, yo, your eye black's kind of stupid. But if he went 26 for 26 against me, his eye black would have been sick. Yeah, I, I also think Lars, there's something to be said. Like, I love like little kids are all about it. You know, like little bobbleheads. Like, oh, I got a cross, an eye black cross on my calf. Yeah. I'm like, That's sick, man. It's good for you. It's when the high school and the college guy. Like, you'll never see a college guy. You but, won't like, see it in college. The high school guys. To me, to me, it's the more it's things like change. To a little bit of this. The more things change, the more they become the same. Like I think about when I was coming up as a youth, it was like Flow Society shorts. Yes, I was, I was sponsored by that. Adrenaline socks. And yes. like it was like the flashiness, and it like stuck for a little bit. Neon colors, kind of, man. Uh, Checks yeah. cleared. That's that's yeah. how I think about it. It's like we're just in this loop right now, where we're just getting yes. back to the new. Kind of fat, My thing but... is, is, is be as be as wild as you want with stuff, but you better be able to back it up. You know what it is? You know what it is? The, what about those uh, the goat shorts? I had kids wearing kids the goat, them, and I was like, dude, the goat means the greatest of all time. Take those off. <laughs> dude, Scotty, you can't be going to camps telling kids to take their shorts off, man. <laughs> Come on, dude. Well, You're not well, working camp, My first day back, that's what I'm getting. The first Let's day back. Um, Let's rewind a little bit. I know we got off a little bit of a tear on this uh, drip for a skill, but let's go back a little bit. I want to know how you became the sidewall Jedi. You you know, you went to Springfield College. I think you've had stops at more places than most, coaching at different levels in collegiate, men and women in the pros. Um, how did this kind of come into existence where now you're the go-to guy to string sticks for college and pros all around the country? Um. So, started as a junior in high school, went to Springfield College, went there for phys ed, wasn't recruited. Did like I was like, oh, they have, a, they have a team, I'll just walk on. I didn't know what recruiting was, I didn't know what college across was, I knew nothing about that. And so, 
I walked on to a really epic team in the spring of 2001. So guys like Nick Myers was a senior that year. It was, you know, five all What was that like? What was Nick Myers like as a player? He, it's he is he was a younger probably you know imbibed a little bit more than he does right now but he was he was intense he was absolutely intense it was God, I would have loved playing with Nick Myers as a player it's yes like there, there was there's no other way for me to like really describe it like you know I'm sure he you know he let loose I didn't know him really well I was like I, I like I, I wish I could let you guys understand how truly historically bad. I really was as a freshman. <laughs> I had two years. I, like I played two years of high school um, before I went to college. Like I was, everybody in my in my class was like, you know, played six, seven, eight, nine years uh, of youth lacrosse before they got there. I was awful. Uh, my coach, you know, basically gave me the option to quit and said that the coaches wouldn't hold it against me, and I'm just like, I'm staying. And they're like, we don't think you're going to play in any games. And I managed to get into like a couple of our league games at the end of the year because. That year we set the record. We, we held the Division Three record for scoring that year at like 17 goals a game. Like it was like so. I got in in two minutes left. I didn't get any points, but I just played and played and played and played and played. And so my sophomore year, I really started to string. I just I had my one stick that I would use at practice every day, and then I had a backup. And I was I mean I was digging mesh out of the trash. I would, you know guys would break ahead, they just throw the whole thing away. I would take it. I would take it off. I would just like I would go into the there's a gymnasium that I would like. I'd basically go hide in the corner behind like those pull-out like partitions. I knew that the security guards and they would leave and lock the door at midnight. So at 11:30, I would just go sit down, put on my headphones, and have my disc man tucked into my shorts pocket. Yes. I'd wait till they leave, and then I'd shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot and string and shoot and string and like I, I just kept doing it. I got I graduated in 2005. I got my first uh, coaching job in 06, 07. And I just started, I mean, I was still doing it for myself. It wasn't a business. I just started stringing for the kids on the team. Like, I, I was still pretty, I was good at stringing for myself. And I had to figure out how to string not for me, for other but, people. But Lars, listen, my whole thing with this is like, Bill Belichick wasn't a great lacrosse player. But guess what? He's a, he loves it. And he was a great football coach, right? And then there's, listen, I still don't know how to string a stick. Like, if you told me to string my goalie stick, I wouldn't know what to do. So you like, have, like, and, and so, like that—that's why, like, there, there's people like me all over the place that are like, there, there are other great stringers out there. There's not enough, and I'm certainly really trying to help spearhead the, that change towards educating and providing information and just giving it away to try and let, get other people that are involved in it because, you know, barring like natural disasters, the sport's not going anywhere. We've had multiple, even in our like reasonable generational lifetime, like we've seen massive issues that have happened to our country and to the world and like yeah there are dips but like you know we have we went through a massive economic recession like 15 years ago game keeps going game keeps going like maybe we're not gonna for a couple of years we're not expanding as much as we are at the college level but it, it keeps going and keeps going keeps Lars going. do you Lars do you know my boy uh Mr. Wonderful Tommy Bruno he's awesome so he dude he was my backup goalie at MacArthur High School he's the man he's the, yeah. but he's like literally has the best goalie stringing right now. Well, one of them for the pros that they're going to him, right? I think we, Jackie Cannon goes to him for all his yep. sticks. <clears throat> I mean, so I, I I don't know. Like every time he posts a field stick, I'm like, dude, stay in your lane. Stay. Your I, lane. I don't. I don't comment. I don't say that. Yeah, right. No, it's I, a whole different thing. 
I, I, D, I DM him that stuff because like I, I love him. We, I, you know, we're like the I know that I've got a. He has a standing offer that if he's ever in Boston, I, you know, the drinks around me, and if I go to no, him, he can drink. He can drink. So Lord, I, that's, why, that's one of the things that I, you and I kind of hit it off about was you kind of do the same thing that I wanted to do with faceoffs, where you know I get more people involved and educate, like. Yeah. Before FOA, there was just a couple guys on YouTube teaching kids how to cheat. And now, you know, Jerry's like, look, you've literally put every lesson we could possibly teach on YouTube. And it's because, like, dude, because I'm confident in my ability to coach it in person. So I feel better about putting my expertise out there for the world to see. You do the same thing with stringing. You know, I, I tell kids all the time, when you start playing lacrosse, the first thing you need to know how to do is cradle. The second thing you need to know how to do is string your own stick. I, I'm, I'm going to, like, pull it back a little bit. It's just make adjustments. Yeah. You know, every time we have a session of goalie camp here, I on the first night of camp, I sit down, like, our, I have the entire camp, all the boys and all the girls. I think we have 160 goalies. It's 90 boys and 50 girls here right now. And I sit and I, I, I do like a 30 minute talk because anything longer than that, I'm going to lose kids. But it's all yeah. about the importance, not how to string sticks, how not you, having adjustments, but the importance of having a well strung stick. Like, dude, even how to do a patch job. Like, I had a kid blow out the bottom of the stick and he was like, Coach, can you fix this? I'm like, dude, you just you can tie a knot, right? And just get through, <laughs> you can get through the day. But yeah, you have to learn how to do that. Like, patch Well, job. I think the big key is like, if you learn how to string your own stick, then you know exactly what's wrong with it. It's mm-hmm. like it's like tuning a guitar. Like my whole career, I know if my stick's shooting straight, uh, you know, up or down or whatever, I know exactly what's wrong with it and I can tweak it real quick. Whereas yeah. if you have no clue, like if Lars strings me a stick, I should at least ask him how he did it because then I have an idea if I'm in the middle of a game and something's wrong. Uh, but blindly just taking a strong stick and just being like, oh, this is perfect forever, is kind of a kind of a dicey deal. Well, it, it's there's there's never going to be there's never going to be a shortage of stick uh, never going to be a shortage of sticks that need to be strung. And, and so I, I like no matter how much I and, and Greg, you're probably the same way. No matter how much you go out of your way to try and educate kids at the faceoff position, and I try to do it and like put stuff out there so the kids have opportunities to learn and know how to string. It, there's always going to be that. That's that's still going to be one percent. Yeah. It's never going to be more than one percent. So like I, I just I'm I'm going to keep like my side hustle is like five like as as a side hustle, it's it's I, I don't know what it is you know comparatively to other people but like it's pretty damn good. It's paying a, a lot of my bills on a monthly basis, and it's not slowing down anytime soon. And so it, like I want other people to be able to do this because. You know, like I mean, look at Lacrosse Unlimited. I think I'm, it's a, I, I have a love hate relationship with the company because they have done probably done more than any other you know than, than most other entities, whether they be retail or they be coaching or educational or anything like that. Because they do sticks, and for the most part, a lot of the sticks that they're able to put out there are usable. The problem is there's a lot of sticks that like there's a lot of kids that are cool like you know I get once a week I get a kid be like hey I want to start an Instagram a uh, stringing Instagram and, and like how, how do I get followers how do I get business how do I get you know how do I buy heads how do I buy mesh and I'm like whoa, whoa, whoa. like the, I don't know I hope I'm not the person who's putting off this idea that you like there's serious money to be made in stringing sticks <laughs> there is zero people I well, they're like 
there's like, okay, I'll rephrase. There's maybe five people, and I think I'm probably one of them, that if I really wanted to, I could shut everything else out of my life business-wise and focus single-mindedly on trying to make money off stringing sticks. And I could, I could technically keep a roof over my head, but like I will still have to do other things to, like, yeah. regarding this. To, There's to, a finite to, amount of time that your hands can be stringing sticks. I, and, and, okay. and I go through the same thing with face-offs. You know, this, we're just laughing today. Every single kid in high school now is a face-off coach. This is a custom stringing stand built out of a bike mount that has, I mean, this is, I'm, we're wireless here, so I can just do this. So this, that's a, like, that, that base, that base down there, that weighs about 100 pounds. That's, that's a, literally a, a two, a one-inch steel slab. Uh, I got that fabric, fabricated. This is just a pipe that I bought from Home Depot. This is a, a flat four flange that just I drilled holes to set this thing up. Like I built this because out of stringing for 20 years, uh, 19, 20, or 18 of them, I was sitting down, hunched over. Dude, Lars, <laughs> why aren't you selling this apparatus? You should patent uh, that thing, man. Uh, uh, there's no, the, the, maybe we can have a conversation another day on why to how to patent things like that. So right? sorry, uh, Jerry, Jerry will get you on. Um, We'll, we'll get you on Alibaba. We'll, we'll take care. Uh, like we'll, we'll, we'll be there. There's there's some. There's other a guy in Pakistan who cannot wait to make that. <laughs> it, it, the the problem is like it got. There's the only way to really sell it is to be able to connect it through Amazon so that nobody. I don't have to pay for you know. I can build them and and, and drive them over and drop them off at an Amazon facility so they can ship for free because the shipping charge on like a hundred pound box of uh, you know steel parts is going to be outrageous. Sorry, if Rogue if Rogue can figure it out. You can figure it out. Fair enough. <laughs> Lars, what was what was your biggest like aha moment where you're like, holy shit, like I got something going here, like whether it was a certain player that asked you to string their stick for them or just the sheer quantity of requests you were getting? Wow. Oh, um, there's been a couple of I, I don't I can't think of there being any like really like one. Um, like Greg being able to do a stick for you back in the day, like with our boy Danny Citrone, like helping me come, you know, letting me, you know, go down to the, the convention and then like coming up and working one of your events and like just letting me speak to everybody at, at your, um, at one of your events, the face-off wise, that was pretty cool. Like being able to string a stick for Casey Powell and having him and seeing him use it. Uh, I got to see him at a, like, I, I helped, you know, he ran a camp in Swampscott, Massachusetts that I was able to work last week, so being able to get to hang out with him was pretty cool. Um, Kyle Harrison, I took me, I, I really hope that he gets to see this, because it, this, it's it's funny, like, I, I I chased him down for years. Be like, dude, <laughs> just like, I got to get you on the roster, like, I, like, like even, so, for, in, you know, in 2021, I was uh, co-head equipment manager of the PLL, and I, I saw him all the time, and like I'm just gentle ribbing. Like I, it's more important to me that anybody has a stick that's awesome than I'm the one who strung it. I love being the one who strung it. Like this is for Mac O'Keefe. This is a this is literally going to go in the mail tomorrow. This is for Mac O'Keefe. Uh, there's a couple of these are for Rob Pinnell. There's a couple of other heads over there for Sergio. Like the, the, it's. I, I, I don't know. Like I just I I've been able to you know, for better or for worse, being able to maneuver myself in my career in a position that puts me in front of people that, that play, that I get to spring for. And, you know, I, 
I, as my, I have to you know admit that there's some a selfish aspect of it, like that I want to be able to do it for people, but I still it's more important to me that people know that it's important to have a well-strung stick than everybody comes to me. There's there's so everybody can eat. There's yeah, there's that's what pa- I mean. That's passion. That's what you you have a passion for it, and that's yeah, that's the beauty I, I, of. It. I think it's more, I mean, an obsession is probably a little bit more. I mean, there's, in my opinion, there's very little difference. <laughs> um, to be truly, pa- I, I think truly passionate is just a romanticized way of saying we're obsessed with something. Uh, but, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm definitely a big uh, closet romantic. About so, so what's your favorite rom-com then? <laughs> oh, God. Um, <laughs> the, Huge fan of of all the Twilight series. Made in Manhattan is a banger. Sleepless uh, in Seattle. I, I, li- I like that one, uh, but it's more like Matthew McConaughey just slaps. Um, Fool's Gold. Fool's Gold. Good one. Oh, this is Fool's good. Gold is, is really good. Um, Give me another one. What was the What was the one? What was the one? Uh, was it Twelve Year Engagement? What was the one with? Um, it was Emily Blunt and. Jason, was it Jason Siegel? Siegel, Siegel, yeah. It just something happened. Like they, they bought a house, so they put it. Yeah, it was, dude. I'm telling you, guys. I'm not a rom com guy. That's the only rom com I've ever watched that I enjoyed. Yeah. Phenomenal, <laughs> absolutely phenomenal. Uh, like that, that's uh, oh, what did it do? I, there was another one with um, Dylan McDermott and Dylan McDermott is in one third of the rom coms, but yes. Yeah. Like it, there's the, like I watch movies. So like, like literally right now, the computer is set up on a thing right here. Like this is my, my dorm room at, at Endicott College right now. I I just put on I, like for this for last night and what is tonight, what I'm sure is going to be many many hours into the, into the uh, early morning. Uh, it's, it's Ted Lasso. Dude, uh, and I started. Yo, I started Ted episode Lasso. I just I, started I, that show. No 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 no. Oh, you just did. I just started it. It is it is a delight. It is incredible. It's a delight, Scotty. Even you would be happy if you watched Ted Lasso. I got to try it. It's for it, like it's a like somebody. I, I know we know who the writers are, but like it, there's it, there's some there's serious like coaching stuff. I mean, it's a workplace comedy. Yes. It's not it's not a soccer show. It's not a sports series. It's a workplace comedy with soccer going on in the background. But like, there's I, I can't be the only coach who's like. That's good. Yeah. Believe. That's good. Yeah, he's just a people person. That's the kind of the, that's the whole basis of the show. I was actually telling my wife, I watched a documentary on Joe Lombardi, and it was talking about how he, when he, like, when he was younger, he started coaching girls basketball, and he knew nothing about it. So he read up on a whole bunch of books, and then he took this high school team that was terrible. State champions. Yeah, his rule was not allowed to dribble. And you had to pass and their team went like undefeated for two seasons. He just, some people just have a knack for understanding how things work and getting across to people. Um, which I think obviously, you know, segue that is something that you're good at. Like you're good at connecting with people. You use string to do it. You have a passion for lacrosse and you hate drip. And I think (laughs) that's what makes you so endearing. Well, it's like, like, you know, bringing it full circle back to the, like, Somebody that I that all of you guys know, but you know very very well. That is a great example of like, um, of someone who had both has I think has both. Like you said, it is a sliding scale. Ryder Garnsey, yes, is, is such an anomaly. 
because I don't know if you guys have gotten a chance in just YouTube later. I mean, obviously, it'd be really fun if we could put it up uh, on the screen right now so we could all watch it. But his like high school highlight videos. Uh, I, I forget where his hometown was. I know he went to Phillips Academy for at least one year. Brewster. He's from Wolfbury. He went to oh, Brewster no. Academy. Right, went to it's Brewster. Ridiculous. It's like he, he did things that no one had. I, I had never seen. I, I mean, I remember you know like 2012 going to Harvard. You know, I don't know where I, I might have been coaching here at Endicott at the, at the time, and watching like the Crimson Fall Classic and seeing his 3D team and just the stuff that he was doing. Nobody like it was just a delight. Everybody knew where he was going. It didn't. It didn't matter. People would go watch his games purely so that they could see just the the crazy stuff that he would do. And like he, but but he executes. Yes. Like whatever it is, like the it's flair not- was there, but like the flair is the magic that makes you watch. But he executes. Yeah. It's like Lyle, you know, Johnny Christmas, yeah. was yep. the greatest high school lacrosse player I've ever seen. And when he wanted to turn it on, you were screwed. Yep. Uh, and same thing. He just he had a flair to it that just made you like you, it was like AI, man. Like he got yeah. it done, but a, a way we've never seen before. So yeah, I agree with you. And I think, you know, same thing with the way you string your sticks, right? They're they're beautiful looking when they're done, but they get the job done, and that's why you're successful. Well, um, and so and one of the things that I, I say over and over and over and over and over to, to kids that I'm, I'm I talk to about this is performance is always number one. Performance is the number one thing. Aesthetic is having being aesthetically pleasing is great, but it's performances in first place drive a couple miles down the road, and then you know whether it looks good or not, you know comes into importance. Yeah, and, you know, how it looks, like color is like I don't buy like color. I, I have some colored mesh, but I pretty much only use the white. Most kids want white. I get plenty of. Uh, I, I typically only use colored shooting strings because. You can only, that's the better, I feel like that's the, the, the better quality kind of shooting string. Color is where it's a lot easier to be able to express yourself. Yeah, you get a little flare in there. But it's, it's at the end of the day, it's gotta, it's gotta work. It's gotta work. And, 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 and all of you know yourselves, there's probably a moment where you had it, or, and uh, you've definitely seen kids who've had a stick or something like that, that light bulb goes off. And they immediately, and for me, it's so much to, like I give kids sticks and they're like, oh my God, I never, I can like in one second, they can do more on the field more from a confidence standpoint. And just from like the, the, the uh, what do you call it? The metaphor that I use all the time is you don't give uh, Barry Bonds a wiffle ball bat and go tell him to win the home run derby. You have to have the right equipment. Yeah. For uh, your you, style too. And for, for no, like no matter how good you are, like you can't. If you have a bad stick, it will hold you back. Yes. Um, That's super interesting, Lars, and something that I wanted to ask you because you mentioned you're stringing a stick right now for Mac O'Keefe. You have a couple for Rob Pinnell. Two very different players. You know, Rob wants to be able to get the, you know, ball out of the stick yep. quick. Mac O'Keefe needs to be able to wind up and, and pull that thing low to high. Do you go into stringing a stick, you know, asking the players what they're looking for? Do you ask for maybe the stick that they're currently using to see what they're kind of working with? Or do you also maybe go off of just watching their style of play and say, hey, you might like this? Uh, you know, for, for guys that are pros and guys that have highlight reels that are, that are, especially if it's like the first time that I'm doing something for somebody, uh, I will go and watch tape. Like, I, I mean, I'm not like doing, you know, hours and hours of watching it, but like going to see going to watch um, you know videos of Mac O'Keefe and how he shoots 
is helpful to me. Now, like, it, it's, I, I didn't get into all of, like you said earlier, like, the, I've had a lot of stops. I mean, I coached college lacrosse for 15, well, involved in college lacrosse for 15 or 16 years. Uh, I was involved with the MLL and the PLL for five or six years. So I've had a lot of experience of, one, being a nut about stringing and, like, I, every, I go, I just go pick up sticks. I look at them. I, like, I'm the weird one at recruiting events who'd go along. I'll walk behind the benches just to look and see what kids, are, like, what teams have kids that have good sticks and what teams have kids that are using garbage. Like, I can watch somebody shoot and watch them from a mechanic standpoint because I've trained myself to do it to know that, like, I can look at Rob and see him throw and see him shoot and generally have an idea of what it's, of, of being pretty close. For somebody that I have never strung for before, uh, like going through my, uh, my online store and my website, you go to the online store, you go to restringing options, say, okay, I wanna, I wanna get a, a Kinetic 3 restrung. There's a number of questions and it's like, okay, where do you want your pocket, like pocket placement, where do you want it? Um, describe the release, you know, add pictures. There's a thing like, I wanna see what you've been using in the past. That gives me information to help create a new pocket for somebody else. And for, That's like for, ultimate customization. Well, but and personal it's, customization. It took a long time to get there, uh, like you know, of uh, figuring out what are the right questions to give me the answers. So, like, I want to ask questions that make it quick and easy for me to be able to figure out what this person is going to benefit from, while also like not overthinking it and not making it too difficult for myself. But I also, like, I'm confident, like, whether I'm right or wrong, I'm confident that most of the time for a kid from Tennessee or a kid from Seattle or a kid from Montana or a kid from Illinois, I'm willing to roll the dice that even if it's not exactly what they, like, exactly what they were thinking, I'm going to roll the dice and say it's probably better than what they've been using in the past. And if it's not, like, I... So 100% satisfaction guarantee. I will happily give people their money back. I will happily send, you know, email them, uh, what do you call it, shipping labels so they can ship it back to me if I want to, like, fix it. That doesn't happen very often. I'm sure it's happened more often than I know of, and they just, people have never told me. But, uh, like... That's awesome, man. Doing pretty that, good. That's incredible detail. Um, What's the, give us the URL before we get you out of here. Get, give us the URL and your social handles so people can find uh, you. www.sidewalljedi.com. Um, Instagram and I had a little bit of a spat in 2020. So I got, I was really bummed because I was doing really well with my, with Sidewall Jedi as an Instagram handle and then it just disappeared. I never wow. was, I, I wrote dozens and dozens and dozens of appeals and never, it, it was October of 2020. Like, everyone was still at home. People were, we were just barely going out to like, you know, Dude, that is, that is. So I started Luke Sidewalker because I'm still a Star Wars nerd. So it's Luke, L-U-K-E, Sidewall Kerr. So the Sidewalker, it's Luke Sidewalker uh, is my Instagram. Twitter is uh, Sidewall Jedi. TikTok is Sidewall Jedi. That's, uh, I actually got Sidewall Jedi back. Because I you know, like I, I looked in one day they're like oh this this thing doesn't exist anymore so I literally went in and created it and someday when I figure out how to move side, Luke Sidewalker to Sidewall Jedi again I'll do that but awesome. awesome all right well that's great yo Lars thanks for coming on man dude that was awesome and I hope uh, if anybody needs anything strong whether you're a beginner or a crazy high level player a pro obviously um, you know reach out to Lars it was it, awesome having you on here man. 
hit me up on Instagram. That is the, the, the best way to go. That's hit him right. up and don't Fellas. buy the warp. Do not buy warps. Go to him. You know what? If you're a first-year player, if you're six years old, buy the warp. Yep. If you're anything else, give me a call. There we go. Well, Lars, thank you so much. It's been a blast. Been, Very Lars. informative. Guys, I appreciate um, it. Really appreciate you coming on, man. Have a great night. Welcome back, everybody. We hope you enjoyed that interview with Lars Keel, the Sidewall Jedi. Super informative stuff and so cool. We talk about it all the time. There's a place in lacrosse for everyone. He talked about how he wasn't the best lacrosse player. You know, he worked his way, walked on to Springfield College. But because of his passion, because of his love for the sport, every single lacrosse player knows exactly who he is. And he's stringing sticks for some of the best lacrosse players in the world. And that's what I think is so awesomely cool. And, uh, Guys, you know, that's the show. Scotty, we got you on for the interview. We missed you in the beginning. Let's uh, talk to the people for a little bit. How are we doing? You've been grinding at camps. We know it. Good, bro. Just on that July grind, man. I got two more, and then uh, I got a little uh, birthday celebration with my pops. Yes. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday. I am, yeah. Am, nice. You look tan, man. Is that from coaching? You've been at the beach. Uh, coaching, brother. Coaching. <laughs> yeah, got to get some sunblock on you. I know, I know. We'll be good well, to go. I, uh, I'm going to be down in Baltimore next Wednesday, Scotty, so we'll grab a cocktail. All right, brother. Love that. I'm jealous. I'll miss you guys. But that wraps up episode 37. Great episode. We recapped the All-Star game. We talked about you know some, some mid-season storylines, some previews for next week. Be sure to tune in to the POL games next week. We have some of the best games so far this year, um, some on ABC. So make sure you tune in. And uh, make sure you tune in to Rise Up next week where we break down, give our recaps. We'll see where uh, Greg and I won a bunch of money or donated to DraftKings. We'll see. But uh, that's the episode, fellas. And I will talk to you guys next week. To the moon. To the moon.